ladies and gentlemen, in a world filled with pandemics and strife, two people came together to review films. Without further ado, I give you Crown and Coogler. Get Real Piece of Crown podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're back. Crown and Coogler for our second episode of movie. We're, we're doing this whole movie critic thing. Ryan, you're getting me out of my comfort zone. I'm loving every minute of it. I mean, people are asking all the time, what are you doing different in a shutdown? What I'm doing different is I am, I use the word escaping, but maybe the word is I'm becoming, you know, I'm diving into watching these documentaries and films and different things that like I would have never put on there and actually like being really present in that moment, kind of forgetting about work or forgetting about being a wife or mom or whatever. I am checking out and I'm becoming a part of the the show or this the movie or this documentary. I mean, Ryan, am I am I speaking your language here? I mean, this is great. This is good to hear. You know, all my buddies and everybody, they're into this stuff and it's fun to talk, but it's also fun to talk with somebody that maybe hasn't seen as much stuff and to kind of get them excited. And so I'm, I'm happy to be the guy that can do that. Yeah, I love it. I love it so much. Well, thank you, um, you know, again, for, you know, your encouragement and pushing me and, you know, you're giving me movies I have just never seen before. But very cool that we have both, we're going to kick off our first one with the Jeffrey Epstein, um, you know, this whole thing going on right now. Definitely phenomenon. I feel like it's one of those hot things, Filthy Rich. This was his documentary that... They put out their, um, I just watched it recently myself, and I, I'm going to kick it off. I'm just going to say this. Uh, whoa. Wow. Like, I feel a little speechless. Maybe you could, maybe you chime in. <laughs> um, honestly, if you're looking for entertainment, this isn't the thing for you. It's, uh, it's sure not fun. Um, I guess it's enlightening and much like what they did with the Michael Jackson documentary, um, Leaving Neverland and the R. Kelly thing. It's nice that you actually get to hear from the victims. So it's definitely from their perspective. So they get their say, which I like, but this was not a good person. He did not hang out with good people. I think in one scene, uh, you see that Kevin Spacey and Harvey Weinstein are kind of hanging out and you're like, yeah, that's, that's makes sense. It's very disturbing. It's very hard to watch. It's well done. I'd never watch it again. I think it is a one and done. You, you got a point. I think you nailed it on that. Um, yes, I, I, I absolutely agree 110%. I really felt so many emotions going through that. And a lot of it was very angry. I felt very upset. Um, you know, and just a little in shock. Is that fair to say? A, I, I yeah. do feel people should watch it because yeah. it is loud and it is out there. And this is something that was going down that, you know, everybody was really blind eyed to, but it's. And this is a, yeah, this is a Netflix one. And they also have a follow-up. I think that was on Amazon or is on Amazon all about the conspiracy theory surrounding this guy's death. So he ended up going to prison and hung himself as you see in the netflix thing like all of a sudden there's no guards there's no cameras it's a total maximum security prison and this guy is somehow able to hang himself but then there's theories that it's foul play and there were so many people that he was wheeling and dealing with and 
I don't know, but I think it's an interesting, fascinating story, but this was maddening to me. I just was angry when it was running and I was angry when it was over. Do you think he did it? I think he did all the stuff that they said he did. No, I'm saying, do you think he killed himself? He killed himself? I mean, I don't want to get political on this podcast and there's like, you know, crazy people out there. (laughs) So I'm not naming names, but it seems very suspicious and I would like to see this Amazon follow-up documentary, which I haven't seen yet. That's all about his death. And I feel like it's too weird. That, I think this is the, the ultimate thing. Everything he did was just odd, weird, all the way up into the end, you know? And for the folks who don't know, I mean, he was basically having underage girls as young as 12 and 13 come to his house and do things with him. And then he was pimping them out to politicians and celebrities. So that's, that's the background on that. It's just unpleasant stuff and just a seedy world. Agreed. So now we're gonna transition into that one because we'll share our emojis at the end. Gotta watch the whole thing. Um, we are uh, each doing one that we are challenging ourselves to watch for the first time. And then we're challenging each other with a wild card sharing something that we've watched that the other hasn't. So this was one that we were watching together and that was The Outpost. Correct. So The Outpost is for the last two weeks, apparently it's the number one most downloaded movie, the number one most streamed movie came out around the 4th of July. It's patriotic, it's a war movie, it's a true story. Um, I grew up on war movies. Some of my favorites I would also call some of the best movies ever made, War or Not, Apocalypse Now, Platoon, Full Metal Jacket. Um, If Pearl Harbor's the worst war movie ever made, which I think it probably is. Oh, definitely not, it has Ben Affleck. And Apocalypse Now is the best. I put this right in the middle. Um, I'd like to hear your thoughts because when we talked it sounded like that you weren't really, this isn't your genre. You haven't really seen a lot of these. This was new for you. Maybe you want to let me know what you thought and then I can go. Yes. You know, I've not watched more war movies in the past. I have a personal friend of mine who was a Navy SEAL. And so when I watched, um, what was it? Act of Valor. Was that it? Yeah. I was a sobbing mess. I don't know what half the movie said. I literally kind of left in the middle of it not because the movie wasn't amazing because it was so hard to watch and I was living under a rock. The reality is I like romantic comedies. I like things that are funny and love stories and I get lost in it and just enjoy it so much. So for me, when I see this stuff, which we need to see and Ryan, thank you because my husband looked at me when I said, this is the one right. <laughs> He's like, Oh, I hope you make it through it. And it just was one of those things. So here's what I'll say coming from a helpless, hopeless romantic is I really wish there was a little bit more, you know, uh, character development so I could be attached to more of the people in it. I felt that was a little bit, I was missing that piece a little, but the other part of it was, Oh my gosh, I, I cannot believe what these people are doing and what they went through. And that this was based off a true story, Ryan, and the reality is that this is this was to the, you know, I'm sure modified a smidge, but really was their actual experience. Like they were just ambushed mm-hmm. in, it, it, and it kept coming and it would, I mean, it was just, I, I, I don't think most people have the brain capacity to understand what they're actually doing and experiencing as they go to war and as they fight for our country and what that means. Um, 
I had the chills. I, 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 it was a range of emotions. Like, I feel like I'm experiencing all this because I literally said to myself, you're going all in, you're watching this. I don't care how sad you get. I don't care if you cry. I don't care if you shake. I don't care. You're watching it from top to bottom. And so it was, it, it was a little hard to watch. Yeah, I definitely agree. I thought that the first half, it was really hard to get into. And we kind of talked a little bit after you had gotten through that. It, they really just throw you in. There's lots of titles that come up on the screen. It's really like a slice of life. You are there. You feel like there's no, this isn't a movie. Like, this is real. But the first 45 minutes, just kind of trying to figure out who was who, what was what, what's going on. It was, it was kind of tough. And then once it kind of got into this final battle scene that is probably a good hour, it's super compelling and you get to know each of the guys and some of the guys stand out more than others. And so by the end, you're like there and you feel like you're in this war. There's some good emotional stuff at the end with some of the characters that you don't really get until the ending where you do get to kind of know them and kind of get their backstory. And I, I like that. I also like some of the stuff in the first half where they were just kind of joking around and they, it wasn't all just like war, these are, you know, young guys and you do see them kind of, you know, talking crap and saying this is and that and yeah. calling back home. And I kind of like those little moments of that. But then when they throw you in this battle scene, it's just like, oh man, this is edge of your seat. This is crazy. But I liked it. I thought it was effective. I thought it got better the more it went on. Yes, I would agree. I think that halfway point created escalation. And there's also a guy in there who looks and sounds, I don't know if you notice this, just like Clint Eastwood to the point where I was distracted. It's a guy named Scott Eastwood. It's his 56 year old, 56 year younger son. 56 year difference. Dude sounds and looks just like Clint Eastwood. I was like, this is crazy. Oh my God. So that was kind of fun. Notice that. Yeah. So good wow. stuff. It was good. It wasn't great, it was good. It was good. And you know, the fact that they had the two Medal of Valors there, that's, I don't even think in history that's ever happened. Typically they give those out to people who have passed away to my knowledge. And the fact, the fact that it was two, right? That, yeah. that's pretty unbelievable. Yeah, stuff. and they also had a couple of guys in the end credits that played themselves in the movie. I don't know if you made it that far, but towards the end it showed real guys and a couple of guys like played themselves in the movie. So they were talking about how no. hard it was to go back when I they come from that. that. So that was kind of neat, I thought, a nice touch. I saw a few of those and they look like two yeah. different people. So I didn't get far enough to yeah. see or, or recognize that it was the same person. Now that kicked it up a little bit of a notch for me. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So as you can see, we're, we're moving on here to, um, this was my pick, my one that uh, Ryan hasn't seen. And that is Chasing Happiness documentary with the Jonas Brothers. And this was really cool. I mean, I got to say it's interesting because last our first episode, we did the Beastie Boys and a bit of like their journey. So here we are with three guys. They're three brothers. They were, were, you know, raised in a humbled home. Their dad's a pastor. You know, this town that they live in, they just really dot all their I's, cross their T's, like really had a proper life and this and that. And then they just would kind of rock out in their basement. And, and next thing you know, they realize like, wow, we really have got something here. And you know, I gotta say, on a side note, like they just had a dad who was like a thousand percent supportive of their vision and their dreams to the point where it a little bit pushed him out of, of his role and, and his responsibilities at the church. So then everybody was mad at him and there was a lot of drama and there's a lot of, 
you know, stuff on that, but the guys took it all the way and they did, you know, concerts, traveled the world. They became one of the most well-renowned, uh, you know, guy, boy band in the country. And the part that just started this whole, I think, chasing happiness, which clicked for them is like in the middle of their journey, they just identified that they've grown up. I mean, when you're playing since your little boys on toys, to get it to real instruments, to get it to growing up years where you evolve and you start to, you know, in essence, grow up, you might find that you're, you know, parting ways, you know, in, in a way. And that's what they did. They, they parted um, ways in the middle. And to be honest, thank God they did. During that part, they developed their own masteries. I mean, literally like Kevin fell in love, made a baby, like went off and kind of did that direction of his life. And he submerged solely into being a dad and a husband. Joe went off and like found his own kind of new band and started Cake by the Ocean, like did that wow. song, which was like epic, you know, top of the list. And then, you know, another evolving was Nick who branched out, got real popular as a solo artist. He created, I mean, you name it. He had so many songs, Jealous, Chains. He had so many cool new songs that like really, truly, though they did great stuff together, they created incredible work apart. And so that did its thing. They took a break. And then the brothers circled back and they circled back and boom, they created another album of just greatness. And so the whole movie is the journey. You get a little bit of their music, you get a little bit of their story, you get more character involvement. I mean, I, I, I couldn't stop watching it. I really enjoyed it. And to be honest, I wasn't really a Jonas Brothers fan. I'm not going to lie. I love the cherry That was my question. Music. Were you a fan before this? Last week we had talked about the Beastie Boys and I had mentioned, I think we both agreed that you don't have to be a fan of the music. You don't even have to have that much knowledge of the band to enjoy it. So as a Jonas Brothers, I don't know what I would call myself. I don't know them. I heard of them. Just not my kind of music. I'm into alternative. I'm into punk. Would this be worthwhile for somebody that isn't? I would say yes because it's a story about evolving how to come from basically nothing or middle class not nothing but like just humbled family you know middle class humble family normal family and like just doing something with their talents which i'm so obsessed with i wasn't a huge jonas brothers fan so for me um you know somebody had told me about this and i thought oh i'll give it a whirl it was just had no expectations coming out of it First of all, again, I didn't know some of the songs were them. So found that out and I kind of like some of these songs, but absolutely would say I enjoy it and recommend it for sure. All right, cool. Oh, what was your pick? My pick was, well, it's the one year anniversary. So some people talk about anniversaries to wives, husbands, this is and that's. I, this is my one year anniversary of Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, came out last July, was my most anticipated movie of last year and it more than delivered. Um, I'm guessing that a lot of people saw this. It was actually a really big hit. I think it was the biggest summer non-blockbuster hit. So it wasn't a sequel, a prequel, a remake. It was actually an original adult drama. And for that, for a three hour R-rated, basically adult art house movie, I think it was huge. It ended up getting maybe 10 Oscar nominations. It won wow. a couple. Brad Pitt won Best Supporting Actor for I think probably the role of his 
life. I mean, he's great in it. So I just think if you haven't seen it, this is a great time to see it. It's a summer movie. It's fun. It has everything in there. And so one year later, it's still worth seeing. Um, I Tarantino fans love it. I'm a Tarantino fan. I think he's probably the best living director. Um, I know people that thought that this movie was long and slow and talky and pretentious. And yeah, it's a Tarantino movie. That's what they are. Either you're down with it or you're not. I mean, right. you, have, you have scenes where DiCaprio and Pitt are talking for 40 minutes about old TV shows and either that puts you to sleep or you love it. And I love it. I love this movie. I think it holds up. Seen it multiple times. And I just think it's a really good pick for right now. Awesome. Awesome. Are so, you a fan of his? Have you seen Pulp Fiction? Or like, what's your... I do. I have seen Pulp Fiction. It's been a really long time. That's almost worth a circle back, not going to lie, because I watched it young. So I think I would almost understand it more today, or maybe I wouldn't. <laughs> but um, I do I do like some of his, you know, films and movie, and I just love his out-of-the-box thinking. Um, is this something, if somebody's into, like, romance or any of that kind of stuff, would this movie spark their fancy on that? Well... So it takes place in 1969 in Hollywood, per the title. It takes place over a few days, and you follow kind of an aging has-been TV actor, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, supposedly based on Burt Reynolds. And it's about his relationship with his buddy, Cliff Booth, played by Brad Pitt. He's his stunt double. So the two of them kind of hang out in Hollywood. Again, it's a slice of life. It's a you are there they hang out, they go to clubs, they, you see them on the sets working on the movies, they interact with famous people. There's a guy that plays Bruce Lee, and it takes place during the backdrop of the year of the Manson murders. It's not a thriller, it's not a horror movie, but Charles Manson and his followers play a role in this. Um, Margot Robbie plays Sharon Tate, who has, you know, who was murdered by the Manson family, but this being a Tarantino movie, there's definitely, it's alternate history. He definitely plays with a lot of things that you expect. Not a traditional love story. It's more of a comedy, drama, kind of crazy, independent blockbuster. There's a little bit of something for everybody. A little bit of something. A little bit of something. Like that. I like that. So right now what we're going to be doing, instead of us doing thumbs up or down, we're doing emojis. And so we're going to have to kind of describe it for the podcast, but for the, um, for the film, if we do short film on this, you'll be able to actually see them. And of course they'll be um, in a little bit of my link. So the first one that we're going to be doing our emoji on is the Jeffrey Epstein. And so my, <laughs> Mine is the bulge out eyes. I just, I feel I had so many emotions going through it, but the one that I really did was like, what? Like my eyes bulged out of my head. Ryan, what about you? Yeah, I went with the angry face. Um, it, was, it was hard to watch and I was just angry throughout at what this guy and his people did to these, you know, young girls and just how, Justice wasn't, I didn't feel like it was served. I mean, when I see a movie, like I want the bad guy to get it. And even though this guy is now dead, I feel like he didn't even get enough. Like this guy took the easy way out. He was in for years and years and years of hell. And I kind of wanted to see that. So it was very maddening to me. Yes, agreed, agreed. Now we're going to shift to our next one for the outpost. 
You know, this was my emoji, Ryan. He's a medley. He's scratching his head because the beginning lost me a little bit. He's sad. And he's also going like, oh my God. So he's a little bit of a medley of the emotion that I felt about it. What about you? I just went with a military guy emoji. <laughs> I just thought it made <laughs> sense for, for the, you know, what we were watching. Um, if I was going to go traditional emoji, it would be a sad face because, I mean, these are real guys and a lot of real guys lost their lives. And it, it, it's a very somber piece. Um, but I thought that the military emoji was fun. It was. That, that is true. Uh, the next one was the chasing happiness um, that I watch with the Jonas Brothers. And I give it hard eyes. I absolutely would recommend watching it. You're going to love it. I mean, the title itself caps captures the essence of what these guys are trying to share with us. So I loved it. It gets a heart emoji for me. And then for my recommendation, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it's just cool. It's a cool movie. You walk out of the theater feeling like you just saw something neat and indie and fresh and hip. And it was definitely the hippest movie of last year. I mean, no doubt from the music to the way it looked to the story it was telling and the way it was being told. And so it's, to me, it's just DiCaprio and Pitt are as cool as it gets. Margot Robbie's amazing, and that fits. I love that so much. And so that right, is an emoji up. with, and that is an emoji with sunglasses. Sorry. For that that. <laughs> that's it's, right. It's, 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 it's the, the cool Tom Cruise emoji. and Ris cool Tom Cruise and Risky Business emoji. I love it so much. I love it so much. I just said cool as a cat and my cat started meowing. Huh. All right. Well, that's going to conclude episode number two with your movie critics, Crown and Coogler, signing off. I can't wait to see what's going to be on deck for this next week. Tune in. And uh, you know what? If you guys watch this, we'd like to hear about it. Your movie critics would love to hear about it. So definitely PM me or connect with me so I can hear what your thoughts are about this movie. The reality is, you know what? We've got to be doing different things and challenging ourselves in this time and so why not watch a really cool movie or documentary yep. um right thank you ryan so much for your insight today and your words of wisdom rock thank you thank you dj kick us off let's go